Welcome to Musicians Unmuted episode 38. Uh, today I have a really well-respected composer, performer, um, lecturer and a graduate of PhD uh, at the University of Queensland. Uh, please welcome the one and only Tom Green. Thanks, Anna. <laughs> Thank you. Um, thank you so much for coming. I hope you're comfortable. I am. I am. I've got a. I've got a nice cushion behind me, which is really good because otherwise I could sink into the couch. Yes, it's one of those uh, like sucks you up and. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> which I'm very happy about. And but on I, a rainy day, <laughs> falling asleep mid podcast is is nice for me, not for anybody else. <laughs> You never know. It could be part of the yeah, experience, yeah. that the, the sound world that we're creating. That's right. My sn- well, I definitely snore, so you'd have a sound world, that's for sure. I'm, I'm sure some people enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, back to our point of the podcast. Um, uh, I know that you've done a PhD, but I actually I tried to find out what it was but I couldn't see it anywhere. Oh, it's like me too. I tried <laughs> to find out what it was. Um, what was your topic on in the end? Well, um, it is a, a kind of an integration of the different, my different interests as a composer mm-hmm. and what that spits out in terms of um, relevance for anybody who's working in the contemporary landscape. Um, and I did my PhD, but I feel like the topic has sort of stuck with me and I feel like I'm still developing mm. that topic as part of my continuing endeavours. But it was a it was a practice-based uh, research that I, I undertook. So it was a, a folio of music. Yeah. But I did write about that music. Um, and the idea is that I've got very disparate um, kinds of music making in my history. I began uh, I guess you might say with a, a classical training although I was never really good at anything um and uh, well I don't know you're pretty good at a lot of things now. well I, 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 I ought to be good at it now because I've spent so long doing it but I wasn't good to begin with and um I I started playing the piano and the French horn a little bit later on mm-hmm. um so I had a, a, a nice grounding in an experience of classical music even if I didn't do it particularly well myself mm. um what was your like first ever instrument piano P- oh, piano, piano and yeah. then french horn that's right and then yeah. i see i see sorry go on go on yeah um so you know the piano is always a, a really great kind of a toolkit for any kind of music creator not mm. everybody does that but sometimes it's a guitar or sometimes it's their voice or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whatever. So it's the piano for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But then wasn't much later on in high school where I really became aware. You see, but actually I I sort of grew up in the, in the very late seventies, early Mm -hmm. mid eighties kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, my parents were extremely nerdy people. And um, (laughs) I just realized I might, one of them or one or both of them might might be listening to this anyway i don't mean i don't i don't mean nerdy in a in a in a disparaging way i mean it in no, a complimentary some people think way that yeah word negative but it's not a negative it's word. not a negative word okay so they they had a record collection which was very very lacking in um in pop music I uh, see. they had some but not not by not in any kind of regular they had a lot more classical music and other oddball stuff. I see, yeah. Um, so, and whether, it, I don't know what the cause and effect situation here is, but I got to really love that that music. Yeah. And um, that 
that was helped along by my my lessons and that mm. sort of thing. Mm. So when I got to high school, I became aware that there's this very, very wider world of music making outside of classical music. Yeah. And I found that tantalizing and I ended up connecting with all sorts of oddball stuff. Um, in late high school, I sort of became aware of um, electronic music yeah, uh, yeah. in addition to all the other things that I was becoming aware of. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. Music from the UK, yeah, which was yeah, yeah. still really fresh at that stage. Mm-hmm. Um Warp Records and wow. Ninja Tune and, and all the artists that are coming out of that. Yeah. They're still going, those two labels, I think. And mm-hmm. um, so from then on, I had a situation where I had very diverse musical interests. But yeah. I did something which most other people don't do, which is that like musicians have diverse musical interests. That's not unusual mm-hmm. amongst musicians, mm-hmm. but many of them sensibly choose to focus on yeah. one thing anyway, at mm-hmm. any rate. Whereas I, for whatever reason, I never made that choice. I never chose to wholly focus on one thing and put something else aside. Mm-hmm. And I, I sort of said, I'm not locking anything off. And it meant that I had a very slow, slow progress. Um, yeah. You kind of have to, sacrifice your choice of part the pathway of yeah. like doing a, a many or one that's right yeah. yeah as a human thing you can't you can't be a super superman on everything yeah yeah i was sort of like there was it's always the the jack of all trades master of none yeah. kind of thing and I, I guess i'm a master of none hey but that's a skill um, yeah that's a skill yeah. <laughs> um but i mean i've gradually gotten better as if that's you know i don't even think of it as that being an object, you get better in the sense that you become more satisfied with the things that you're engaging Mm -hmm. with. And that's as much of a benchmark as anything else for me. Mm. Um, And so in that sense, I've gotten better um, over time. I'm sort of more and more satisfied. And one of the ways in which I've become satisfied occurred in the process of doing the PhD, which is that I couldn't see a way forward working on these disparate kinds of Mm -hmm. music Mm -hmm. and for the, the PhD for me was a was the beginning of working out a way of sort of seeing that as an integral thing, mm. um, even if they remain separate ways of making music. Yeah. And I don't know if when you were doing your PhD, because you graduated in 2016. Oh, uh, if you know, that's uh, good. I've I stalked you. I've done the I, research. <laughs> I've forgotten. But I, w- I guess I'm wondering if that in that time, were there many musicians around you who were also like similar minded in that sense of being a fusion performers? I think this, I think this is a, is a real thing of my generation in particular, mm. because we had an experience coming through tertiary music making where at that point it was still pretty um, channeled. Mm. Like one of the reasons I struggled as an undergraduate, and I really did, like people who know me now, who knew me back then, they've surprised that I'm still around because (laughs) I was so terrible in in some ways. Yeah. Um, Anyway. uh, It's those people that make you thrive though. You're like, oh, No, they've seen seen my journey, so it's not so bad. But... um, Oh, where was I going with that? (laughs) Um, The people around you. Yeah, that's right. So... So it was it, as an undergraduate. One of the reasons I struggled was because um, there wasn't a clear artistic direction. There, w- mm. there was no pathway for someone who had absolutely, you know, diverse yeah, interests in music. Yeah, it was the one filter. 
Yeah, choice. and I mean that's that's doesn't mean that people didn't do really well, and there weren't people who were forerunners even decades before this sort of thing. But we did have some really astounding musicians come out of that situation. The one mm. that always springs to mind, and or anybody who's ever had anything to do with me, this won't come as a surprise when I mention um, Björk because mm-hmm. she's a musical idol of mine. But uh. I was listening to her music when I was a 19 20 year old and yeah she sort of laid the groundwork for so many people like absolutely. me absolutely yeah yeah um, and and she did it i guess completely on her own i mean she has her influences as well mm-hmm. but um so it wasn't blank slate but we were still feeling as if there was no apart from the odd person like that there was no mm. no good no good guides Mm-mm-mm. um and uh, I guess I'm a lot more comfortable in my skin these days. Could it be? I can see my spirit So during your like education and training, did you have to like lay your own pathways because it didn't physically exist on paper? Like, you in, yeah, do it. in certain real set in a in a real way, yes. Because mm. for instance, I was really interested in production, like mm-hmm. in electronic production and digital production. Um, but I'd already done an undergraduate degree and and actually a master's of music studies as well, which mm-hmm. had nothing to do with that side Mm -hmm. of things. Um, And it wasn't really, it wasn't so much of an option as an undergraduate. You couldn't sort of, there were, actually I did, I I did the, I took the units that were available, which led me into studio production. Actually, I had Andrew Brown, who's still around. Oh, Um, wow. He he, uh, took us through some basic studio stuff back at QUT, where I did my undergraduate degree. Yeah, right, Um, right. So Andrew's been a teacher of mine, for forever yeah um but i mean so it's not it wasn't completely um wasn't completely blank but but uh i i really yeah it's really self you know self-driven self-directed Mm-mm-mm. um so then your phd which i'm still trying to figure out <laughs> is, yeah so it's like contemporary oh, I didn't really answer that question very what well. is the title actually if someone wants to oh, go find goodness. it why didn't i look that up i've forgotten <laughs> It is so uh, long ago. I think it's actually it's it's called something fairly straightforward, like a folio of compositions. Okay, um, okay, of contemporary, I, um, like a, a fusions of. Different... Yeah, I don't think it's even. I don't think it's even that complex. I think it's. I'll have to go and check, but it's something like a folio of compositions. It's uh, not. Okay, okay. It's not actually, but the but the the thrust of it is that I've created music which is essentially score based music and mm-hmm. delivered to a performer and performed in a public situation mm. um and then another uh quota of music which was essentially um production based and mm-hmm. where these things align and what is there to learn by contrasting these different kinds of music making especially when it's a, a single creator mm-hmm. wanting to output output in both realms mm-hmm. Um, and the, I guess what I, my kind of finding apart from producing the music itself, which these days is actually considered the finding, the music itself is, 
um, your research, especially as far as um, Griffith University treats it that way, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. I find actually find that quite liberating. Mm. But um, when when I wrote my um, commentary for the folio, my finding in my commentary was that um, that there is for me a what I would refer to as a manifold composition which is something that might exist abstractly around a bunch of different realizations of a single work. Um, So if you're creating music for an electronic medium, Mm. you have all these, you have what I think I I called an attribute space, which is the different physical considerations, the different environmental concerns of that medium. And that informs the way that you create. Um, and it is the awareness of this sort of conglomeration of different attribute spaces across different media, which gives rise to the possibility of a kind of an abstract manifold composition, which then might only be realized in one medium, but possibly you're envisioning this work across different environments and different, different yeah. media. Yeah, so. because... it. I guess, like, if you're just creating an, a creative output for one uh, box mm. of into the reality of that the industry, you, you it's a very through line. Whereas if yeah. you want to have it um, speak to many, yeah, it's, it's quite a big space to think about. Yeah, well, since then, I've sort of thought about it differently in a connected way as well. So my more recent, more recently, my music has been really focused on physiology and the body. So I I write a lot of dance music, for example. Yeah, yeah, cool. So um, I'm always thinking about the body. And when I said the uh, an attribute space, what that includes is, for example... Uh, a violinist's relationship with the instrument and the way they hold their hands and their mm-hmm. hand positions on the instrument and the different idiosyncrasies that mm. arise from that and um, that uh, I used to think of that as kind of a, a, a kind of a way into creative decision making yeah, yeah, yeah but now I realize it is what is actually the important thing about this is um, considering music making and composition to to be more um, 
to give more focus to embodiment. Yes. It's maybe yeah. something that we lose sight of as uh, Western um, composers because we have this method of making music which is actually quite reductionistic, mm-hmm. focusing on pitch, mm-hmm. pitch relationships, mm-hmm. melodies, because all of our music came from melodies in mm-hmm. the Western world. Mm-hmm. And, and um, this sort of very reduced focus, maybe, maybe we lose sight of the way in which physiology, which is not an abstract thing, but actually the, the very concrete, real aspects of our of our living mm. um, are related to the creative output, and even the even we can even think about music theory in a new light when we consider embodiment more strongly. I I mean, buyers, percussionists, yeah. absolutely agree. <laughs> yeah, and like there's like been research done on um, marimba players that we we have to play a staccato and we can't control the uh, duration of our notes, but we move as if it's a staccato and, and right. we kind of trick the audience <laughs> to think the way we move is the way music sounds as well. I love that. Um, so I completely agree. And I there's definitely many players I know who, um, yeah, they play with their body and it's like part of their music making for mm. sure. And I think it's such a great, uh, I think, way of thinking as a composer as well. Well, it occurred to me um, a while back, years ago, that... I actually don't write music to make sounds and mm. I don't write music to make even to make music in the sense of music being sound. I actually write music to make people do things. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And the sound, of course, is intertwined with that. Mm-hmm. And the sound is an expression of that. And there is some of that embodiment which lives on in the sound, which mm. when you hear the music, it's almost somehow magically translated to the listener. Absolutely. But it's almost like um, if you talk about this this music, the sound by itself, it's almost quite robotic. But when you put the per- human mm. who's making it into it, it's, it's very natural. Yeah. With consideration. Which, which is really, really interesting for someone who's also really interested in electronic music. Yeah. Because... <laughs> Is, there's true. so much about electronic music which is removed from that and, yeah. and mechanical, but it, there's a way of sort of uh, of integrating that mm. as well. But um, but yeah, I, I I really I I like when I'm making music, yeah. I'm living for the relationships that I have with people, but mm. also living for the observation of the relationships between those people in the group who are creating the music mm. and the relationships between that person and their instrument. Because even though the instrument is, is a, um, a, um, inanimate object in a, in a sense, it's, it is an aspect of that humanity, that person's Absolutely. investment. So many hours locked in yeah. a plastic room, pla- a plastic room, what did I, a cement, say a practice room, <laughs> a practice room. Some might be in one, who knows? Um, and, uh, you know, in a in a real sense, that person has become a bigger person because of their relationship with this little thing. Absolutely. And you know, in yeah. a in a real sense, they've expanded their brain. You know, they've grown their brain yeah. over their lifetime in the in the process of 
just practicing this stuff mm. over and over again. So I, you know, I'm living for the opportunity to watch that happen. Yeah. You know, when yeah. I see somebody else um, extend into this wider person. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. This bigger person, which is what everybody sees when you see, you see somebody go on stage. If you know a musician, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know them in in regular old real day life, and they're just you know a person who yeah you yeah, know, yeah yeah exactly. And then they get on stage <laughs> and they become somebody else. Absolutely, you know, in, yeah. Not yeah. in a, you know in many cases you see this extraordinary individual which mm-hmm. doesn't exist. That person doesn't exist anywhere else except for when they're mm-hmm, on stage, absolutely making their music. Yeah, it it, it is that. Like when they're connected, or like this is extension of them, mm. is connected to them, they become this different person mm. because it, yeah, it is a a different way of them to communicate and express themselves compared to them just walking around with mm. no in- instrument. Um, and but even then, like even um like vocalists, like even though they they carry obviously their instrument, but they they do have that switch of when they are using that instrument mm. and when they're just themselves talking. <laughs> yeah. Find the title of your uh, your paper I, and, and find the the archive. I'd love to I'm have a look. So in. embarrassing. No, I mean if this is if this is what's the commentary, I want to know more. I'm yeah. sure everyone's. Know I've more. got a. I've. I. It's the sort of thing that I probably should. Re- I tend to be a little bit quick to move on from things that I've done and gotten done and you know like I yeah yeah it's almost like a that's good though it I is feel it. it's yeah. good because I I definitely think as a composer I was just talking to some songwriters recently of mm. like how you're just like always holding on to the imperfections and you won't let go mm. to release it, but you just have to go that, that was that period of time. 
Yeah. And you move on and you go to the next project. So I, I think that's the right mindset of music to not be held on to something for yeah. too long. Yeah. I mean, I'm also just a forgetful person. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we all are. <laughs> um, so you were saying uh, you now teach at the uh, Queensland Conservatory and University as yep. part of um, their... Uh, uh, music theory lecture- lecturers is that right i do i i help out with their music theory presently i'm hoping mm-hmm. to get more and more involved with that and mm-hmm. I, I probably will um they um they're, there's a lot of very interesting things happening in the way that music theory is considered in in the world at the moment mm. and the conservatorium needs to become part of that and extend out in that way yeah yeah uh, it's very very difficult it's very challenging yeah. um um and so i'm very honored and and glad to be um included in on that process because it's it's pioneering they should be thing. honored and glad to have oh. you because <laughs> they, they need someone like that <laughs> That's good. You. And you were saying that they also, um, they perceive music making or outputs as part of their, their research outputs as well. Yeah, that's right. That's I think really it's, cool. It's very exciting. It's complicated. It's not something that is something that um, everyone is accustomed to. Mm. A lot of people who are researchers envision research as being something quite different from that. So it's not uncontroversial um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's magnificent for somebody who is a creator and does understand that when you create something new there is an implicit knowledge uh that and that not all kinds of knowledge are the same mm-hmm. and you know we've been talking about embodiment mm-hmm. there are literally things that you can only know in your body mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. And, uh, that's difficult. That's, that's difficult to explain and it's difficult to, to kind of argue the case for. But thankfully, I think that, um, that I'm involved with an institution that recognizes Mm. that creative outputs are their own kind of new knowledge. Yeah. And, And, uh, and so, and there, I mean, there are books written about this, about practice based research. So, Mm. Um, if, if anybody is curious about how that works, there are plenty of plenty of people who have written on the topic of of practice based research. And yeah, one um, Stephen Emerson always mentions musicking. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's him who kept kept. I've, I've heard that. I've heard a number of people use that. Yeah, one. I, f- yeah. I forget. Someone kill me. I don't know. I can't remember the, the author. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I, I actually just read the other day somewhat I read I, I saw it in a paragraph that term being referred to and the person who coined that term and it's as I say I'm a forgetful person yeah, and it's gone out of my brain yeah that's gone from me <laughs> yeah it was like frequently used at the con when I was there yeah by the researchers um, but yeah you're absolutely right and I wonder if the conservatorium always saw it like that is, is this something they always put into place for their staff I don't know the history at, at the conservatorium, mm. but I think it couldn't have always been this way. I think um, that in many ways, uh, the way research is imagined by research the, re- researchers themselves and by the broader community is 
probably um, probably pretty locked up with very old traditions. Um, and that's not a bad thing. I'm not suggesting that's that's a bad thing. That's a beautiful thing, actually. Mm. But it does mean that um, there is probably a fair bit of um, inertia when it comes to changes of direction. Uh, and um, and we, we are in the midst of having to think about things differently in our world for... for all sorts of complex reasons that mm-hmm. I'm never we'd never get to the bottom of today. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes there is a a little bit of a a challenge in reconciling strong and valuable traditions with uh, the 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 need to look for other ways of moving forward. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it is so hard for an institution to make calls because it's a full shift for everyone mm. who uh, contributing to this institution at the same time. Um, but I feel like if if change is not happening, then you're stuck in a time. But yeah, well, it's a cha- looking looking at new ways of doing things and looking for for uh, for change is is embedded in the whole academic system of values as well so mm, mm, mm. you you don't i think the ideal is that you don't rest on your laurels you you forge ahead and you yeah you try to find you work towards that which is uncomfortable mm. um and uh that is never not going to be difficult it's it's always a difficult thing and it's also it's also occasionally upsetting because um, you do get into di- disagreements and uh, it's there's no clear Pol- answer politics. for those sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're you're a composer and a performer. Um, like, how did you see yourself doing the academic pathway from the beginning? Well, funnily enough, I did, uh-huh. even though I was horrible. Like, it's, this, is the, <laughs> this is the this is the funny thing. Like, I was a I was an average student at school. I wasn't even I didn't even get really strong marks with music. Even though I was actually the one thing that I've always done really well with is my. Um, oral musicianship i'm yeah. like top notch <laughs> yeah I've, i'm like the interval god oh nice <laughs> was that your do... nickname in school no no <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> no there were a few there were a few people in my grade at school who were also 
really good. So I didn't get a, a kind of a, a clean a clean run at being the, the percentage, best. the higher yeah. percentage. <laughs> but but um, um, we we had a, a music teacher in our senior year mm. who she used to give us this uh, oral dictation, which was three sometimes four part oral dictation. Wow. Um, Sorry, in high school. A senior yeah, in high, high school. school. Wow, so we were we were doing part. polyphony in four parts as oral dictation. Wow, that I don't even know like in high school stays. that does that. Yeah. Currently. So I don't think that's a thing. I've anymore. never done anything more difficult than that. Like yeah, I've right. never had to do any study that's uh, that's required. Um, even in tertiary. No, no, no. Wow. No. Crazy. This teacher. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think maybe we had a maybe we had a good year or something and she felt ah. like she really had to push us, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But, um, but it was fantastic. I mean, I loved it. I loved it because I was good at it. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. people who weren't as good at it probably <laughs> didn't love it so They're much. Like, well, high school music sucks. <laughs> but in fairness, it was the only thing that I was good at in school. So <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I did. I was actually really good with visual art as well. Oh. I don't think I got particularly high marks, but I'm also yeah, okay. I'm really good at drawing, and um, I've sort of kept kept going with that as well because it's been helpful for my promotional stuff. Mm-hmm, and I've, mm-hmm. you know, I use Photoshop all the time. Yeah, and blah, blah blah. All the skills are contributing in the end. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, I, I'm I don't I, I'm trying to highlight those things because I don't want to I don't want to be completely down on my past self. No. <laughs> No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, but so what was that point that you were like, maybe academic is what I want to uh, do? Yeah. So I guess when I first got into university mm. and I I saw these teachers who were so excited. They yeah, were right. really, you know, you get it to stand up in front of a room mm-hmm. and talk to other people about the very thing that you're excited about. Yeah. Seems like a good job. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> It is, yeah. So, um, so that, and I also knew, I, I'm good at writing, uh-huh, so I've uh-huh. always been a good writer, um, and um, and I, I, I like to think deeply on topics. Mm. So those things together made me think I could actually do that job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I could just get past a few of my life hurdles, which are basically sucking at everything. <laughs> um, but you know, people. You find that um, career that allows that, yeah, to, yeah. and then you do it, yeah. Well, I think the difference between me and many, many other people is that I'm very, very stubborn. Um, I see. I'm exceedingly <laughs> stubborn, and so even I think that's a common creative, yeah, uh, behavior though. Yeah, amongst yeah. people who 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 are. Who other people have, you know, they've said that's a successful person. It's actually more often than not, it's just somebody who, who's, who's for whatever reason, they've just been there. They've just stuck around. Mm-hmm. And other people often very sensibly have decided this is, I'm not going to do this. This is, this is ridiculous. I've yeah. got to go and yeah. do something else, which, which is more enlivening for me. Yeah. Yeah. But f- for whatever reason, I can't even say why. Yeah. I've just, I've I've just never given it away. Like mm. I've never never given. And, and there are sometimes where I honestly think, from a outsider's perspective, or even looking back, I was that you know there would be have been points where why would you persevere with that? Like you really <laughs> should think of something else to do. Yeah, and my teachers. Yeah. I've had teachers. I won't name them, but I've had teachers who have literally said that to me. Wow. Okay. Yeah, like why yeah. don't you go and do something? <laughs> 
that's better for you. Like I've had teachers who have said that to me. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. And um and and they're being kind. <laughs> like they you know, they're actually trying to give me some good life advice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh and and I just didn't listen. <laughs> I mean, but I'm sure, like, because you know, you remember it today. Yeah. That they said that. I'm sure that was ringing in your head for you to make the decision that felt right to you in the end. I, th- I think there. I think when you're not, you're not getting recognised, and you know, you realise at some point that you're not as good as you should be. Mm. You, you're, you're going, going to go one of two ways. Mm. You're going to sensibly decide to go and do something else, or it lights some kind of fire. And you can't put it out, and you've yeah. really got to just keep doing it. And and it is a pretty headstrong thing, but but I think if you end up spending fifteen or twenty years trying to get better at something, eventually you get better at it. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> <laughs> you might have gotten a lot slower than everybody else. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But you do like so. I'm happy with my progress. Yeah. Because it's uh, it's taken me so long to do some of the things that initially you know i mean if i'd if if my younger self had been able to see the the journey that i'd need maybe that person would have gone and done something else oh yeah right it very inefficient <laughs> oh, like, man, inefficient that's a long way time. to leave your, <laughs> live there, your life yeah. there's a time traveling machine yeah. you're like oh maybe not <laughs> that's so funny um unfortunately we have to come okay. to the end of our podcast but if they um if they if everyone listening would love to um follow you and your journey the continuous successful journey now <laughs> um good at lots and lots of things um how can they find you and where can they listen um to your music um i've got um i've got the albums that i've released are on spotify etc etc mm-hmm. so they're type thomas green yeah uh, or tom green there's or? one one that's one of my so-called classical music i don't even want to say that word oh, but okay. there's some of that um on spotify yeah um there's also Shigure, which is yes. um, on all of those platforms mm-hmm. as well. And I do have a website which sort of encapsulates all my different things, which is just my name, you know, Thomas Green Composer dot mm. something or other, whatever it is. And um, we've got a Shigure website yeah. as well. And Facebook yeah, and a, Instagram and for Facebook Sugar and Instagram and all that kind of it's, thing. It's, it's kind of hard to keep. <laughs> it is a lot, but I'm so proud of you guys and um, also the late night performances. Oh, yeah. But I'm sure someone out there is like raving yeah, to this. Yeah. We'll do what we need to do. It's Noz has beautiful. said no more, but we, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm so keen to see more of um, what Sugar Ray does and definitely um, more of everything you do. And I, I, I think your story is so inspirational to those who might be stuck in their, their world and teachers telling them to do otherwise. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. Thanks, Anna. All right. See ya. Bye.